As Christians, we live in a world that we see with the physical eye, but we are to be dominated by a world that we see with the spiritual eye. And sometimes it's difficult for us to keep that transition in our mind. The songs that were selected are to remind us of our relationship with God, with Christ. The fellowship we are to have with one another, as the reading brought out this morning. The challenge that is laid before us in doing God's bidding. The writer of the book of Hebrews is writing to those who were being persecuted, Christians being persecuted, of going back under the law of Moses and trying to remind them it does not matter what happens in the physical world. We have an obligation, a responsibility, a commitment, a love for the spiritual realm and for the body that Christ has given to us. We struggle with it in our life as well. We have that tendency to look at the physical. We look at one another as we see each other here. We look around and see some that are not here, and we will check on those. We strive to encourage one another and being faithful to services as we see each other here. But is it that, or is it the filling out of the card? Is it the noting of the times of services and opportunities that we have for us? Is it just taking note of the goals that have been set for us? That if you do not have one, there's some out there in the foyer for you as well. Is that what it's all about? Meeting physical needs, seeing spiritual, uh, physical things that need to be addressed and taken care of. We're looking for goals of how to increase our attendance. Is that because we're concerned about physical numbers? Or is there something more that needs to be involved that we see along that line? When we catch that glimpse as we strive to do, as we gather around the Lord's table each week, of trying to remember what Jesus went through, not just his crucifixion, but his leaving the glory of heaven, the taking on of the form of a servant, the being obedient to God to the point of death, yea, even death on that cross, trusting the promise that God would raise him from the dead, that he would be able to ascend back to the Father in heaven and there dwell with his Father, making intercession on behalf of those that would believe and follow his will. But sometimes we forget there's a commitment that we're making not to each other, Commitment we're making not just to this 
physical gathering of people. There's a commitment that we're making and have made and need to continue to make to the God of heaven. In verse 16 of Hebrews 10, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. This is a covenant. This is the agreement. This is the binding contract. This is the relationship that has been sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the commitment that I am making to God above of a life that I am going to live. God says, I will put my laws into their hearts. And in their minds, I will write them. There's a mental commitment that precedes this physical assembling of ourselves together. It is the understanding that there is a law that is God's law that he's placing in us so that our making the decision to assemble together as we have this morning is not so that we can keep tabs on you through the attendance cards or that we can check off that we were here for the morning and the evening service and for Bible class and for the Wednesday night service. It is the reminder to us that we have made an agreement with God in heaven. That we believe that He is who He says He is. That He's done what He said He has done. And that He will do what He said He will do. Both in promises and in punishment. And that He does not and cannot lie. So this agreement, this covenant that I have made with him is in my heart. This heart, the mind. Not the physical one that pumps the blood, but the mind. I've made an agreement with him. That's where it's written. It's in my mind. So what I do, again, it's easy to get caught up in doing things because... That's what we see, that's what we do, that's the commitment we made in the physical realm. But there's one that transcends that. There's one that goes far beyond the physical. It's a spiritual relationship that we've established with God. And in my mind, I will write that covenant. Is it written in your mind? Do you understand the agreement that you have made with God in heaven? It's going to affect what you do physically, yes. It's going to affect how you see the worship services. It's going to affect how you see Bible study. It's going to affect how you see any aspect of our gathering together, regardless of what that may be. But do you understand that commitment that you made to be faithful to God? Does that challenge how you live your lives? How easy is it for us to allow the things of this world 
to step in between us and our commitment to God and we will fail to do what God would want us to do because the world demands this at that particular time. Where is that commitment? Where is that obligation? Where is that determination? That is God first within our life. And that we serve this risen Savior. And then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Do we understand? Do we understand what it costs God to say that? To be able to say your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more. Because my son shed his blood on that cross for them. How serious was it for him? How serious is it for us to make a commitment to him? We have allowed at times some of the most trivial things. To keep us from worshiping God together. Trivial things. Well, this is more important than a covenant that I have made with God above. What is that? What is that that is more important than a covenant that you made with God above? That He comes first in their life. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. When sins have been forgiven, when they've been removed by God, there is no longer an offering to be made. What you do is not an offering for the sins that you've had remitted from by God. There's no amount of good deeds that you can do. There's no amount of faithful attendance that you can give. There's no amount of dedication you can render to God to make up for what God has done through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do we understand how grateful we ought to be that those sins are no longer remembered by God? And there is to be no, in, in essence at times, our brow beating of ourselves. Oh, I wish God would forgive me. Oh, how can he still love me? How many times do I need to beg forgiveness of him? One is sufficient. One death was sufficient to remove every sin that we have committed. The life then that we live is not trying to make up for what God has done. It's a gratitude for what he has done. It's a thanksgiving for what he is doing. And it's an anticipation of what shall be one day. You understand the boldness we have to enter into the holiest, into heaven. To the throne of God. They have bold access to God. As the writer mentioned earlier in chapter 4 verses 15 and 16. That we can boldly approach the throne of grace. 
Do we receive mercy in the time of need? To believe that God indeed gives that. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we have this bold access to God. But with this bold access, is it reflective in our mind? Is it reflective in our heart? Again, what it costs God. This free gift that we enjoy. This free gift of being able to assemble together. How casual we view it at times. And again, it's not just looking for numbers. It's not looking for check marks on, on a page. that Oh, you were here, you were here, you were here, you missed this Sunday. What happened to you that Sunday? That's not what it's about. It's about what you did. It's about your remembering the Lord's death and His body and His blood being shed on that cross. It's remembering the price that was paid to give you that privilege to sit there in that pew. Do you understand that price? And do you understand how casually we at times view that? Oh, something came up. Just couldn't make it. We have a new and a living way concentrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. We have a new way of access to the Father in heaven. Direct. You have that privilege. You have that right to boldly approach him at any time. But it is because the flesh that hung on the cross for your sins. So we have a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart, a oneness of heart, a heart that is not divided. They were struggling with it in the first century. We struggle with it in the 21st century. The Christians have always had to struggle with it. Having this true heart, singleness of heart. Not a difficult concept. The world does struggle with it, but we understand the concept and we we do it in that concept. We've made a commitment. We do it in marriage. Hubert Walterine celebrating 70 years of marriage. Some approaching 60 years of marriage. Some 50, some 40. Whatever it may be. We made this commitment, did we not? That commitment became exclusive. We made a commitment to God. For the privilege of having forgiveness of sins. For the hope of eternal life in heaven with him one day. We made a commitment to him. Do we keep it? 
James would talk about being adulterers and adulteresses when we made friendship with the world. We have become enemies of God. Oh, the world is demanding. Without a doubt, the world is demanding. You have left it. You have surrendered to God. You have left the world and the world is demanding. It wants you back in it. And it will take whatever it can do to encourage you to come back into the world. Compromise. How many times have you heard their phrase, just this one time, compromise? Rather than standing true for who God is and for what he's done. Draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith. Without a doubt, I believe in God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I believe every word that he's uttered in his word has an application and a guidance for me in the life that I live. I believe in every word that he's uttered in full assurance that there is a particular reason that I may not fully grasp at this particular time as to why God has stressed this importance of our assembling of ourselves together and not forsaking it, as is the habit of some. There's a purpose for it, a need for it. Our hearts have been sprinkled with from an evil conscience, and our body has been washed in the pure water of baptism. So let us hold fast this confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Do we understand that? There's something that is to be held on to. We do again in the physical realm. We make those commitments all the time in the physical realm. If you're employed, you made a commitment to your employer. That you're going to be faithful to that employer. We sign agreements at times, depending on where you are and what type of company you work with. You sign agreements that you will not divulge information from this company to another company. We understand that commitment. We understand that need to, to do that in our life. We do it in our marriages again. We made that commitment. Hold fast to it, unwavering. Be faithful to what God has given. And understand what God has given. He has given you this body that you dwell in. He has given you capabilities that you do not understand that you still have that have not been tapped. Because you haven't trusted God enough to trust Him with that life. We have our reservations based upon our perception of what we think we can do or what we think we cannot do. And we're not trusting God. We're His workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why will we not let God work in us? 
Why will we not accept the challenge that he's laid before us? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us see who we are. We're the body of Christ. We're the church he has purchased with the blood that he shed on that cross. Why do we not encourage one another, stir up one another for love and good works? And the way it is being done is by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It does not read as many have read it. Do not forsake the assembly. As long as I meet the Sunday morning worship service, I've met my obligation to God. You tell me how and when you have met your obligation to God. Is that not the life you live in your totality? The very essence of your being? Is that not your obligation to God? He gave you the physical life. He's given you the spiritual life. Is it not His? Why do we think we've met our obligation? And then we're free to do what we want to do. Exhort one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. It doesn't matter what that day happens to be. Variations along the way could have been the day of destruction of Jerusalem. could be the judgment day. could be the Lord's day. But understand, that day is approaching. It would be the judgment day. And there is no guarantee that for some in this world, that's not today. No promise of tomorrow. So what are we doing with the time that God has given to us? When will we look at what those scriptures teach and not just these, all of what he has to say in his word and understand I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. I am therefore to glorify God in this body. I'm his. Lord, use me. However, wherever, and whatever way you choose. Are you willing to say that? I belong unto him. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the Master heard me. Love lifted me. Love, the love of God for your eternal soul, His desire that you be with Him eternally in heaven. Is what has lifted you. 
There may be that you need to take that step to become a child of God. There may be that you need to renew that life in Christ Jesus again. If you have a need that only God can satisfy and fulfill, if we could assist you, if we could help you, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. I was.